I can promise you this, the things that we put in place at the North Face are that we ultimately were focused on the bottom line because I would not be able to be successful if ultimately we didn't make money and we didn't drive yeah. sales. Welcome to Action This, practical wisdom from experienced management pros, a podcast series featuring a stacked roster of industry guests dishing about what it really takes for brands to thrive. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Action This. I am Zach Hamilton, your host, and I'm very excited for the chat today with Mark Cardinale. I had the privilege of meeting Mark over a year ago when he was still Vice President of Operations with the North Face. And now Mark has taken on a new journey with Freebirds. And so really excited to talk to Mark um, about his new journey at Freebirds, um, who Freebirds is and what he's trying to achieve. But before we welcome Mark to the show, I just want to give you a, a little bit more background about Mark. He's an innovative and entrepreneurial senior operations executive with more than 20 years of leadership experience across retail operations with a focus on digital innovation and delivering outstanding financial and customer engagement results against key metrics. He's also a turnaround expert with a demonstrated history of success, strengthening operational efficiency, coordinating efforts across field and corporate stakeholders, and driving aggressive multi-million dollar revenue growth. He also has the ability to provide inspirational leadership during periods of dynamic challenge and change, which I don't know about you, but just this last bit about Mark and his expertise, I think it's very relevant. One of the things that really just inspired me about Mark the most is Number one, you don't get many retail executives who've been in retail for more than 20 years. Uh, many retail leaders seem to, you know, the last couple of years branch out out of retail. And then also at the same time, what I really like about Mark and respect about him is although he is trying to hit, you know, his P&L and drive efficient operations, he never prioritizes his P&L above the human experience being customers and employees. So, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Zach. I, uh, I'm so glad we were able to find the time to connect today. I know that you've you know, undergone your own change in the last uh, couple months um, and, and just your, your role. So what I'd love to first just kind of understand, and Mark, if you want to share with our listeners, is tell us a little bit about your journey over the last 20 years. How did you discover your passion for retail operations? Well, um, it actually started more than 20 years ago, Zach, but thanks for saying only 20 years. Um, it, oddly enough, it started in the back of a lead shoe store where my uncle was a regional sales manager for Leeds, and I spent a lot of time in the summers in San Francisco in the back stockroom. And my first job, essentially, right out of high school was um, working for Mervyn's, and I was there for most of my adult life, 27 years. Uh, my interest and passion were peaked right off the bat. I got very involved in everything in those days. Um, you know, the stores were very different. Um, everyone was suit and ties and Mr. and Mrs. And it was a very formal environment. But I have to tell you, because I grew up in an organization that was very much a family owned company, even though it was, you know, purchased by Dayton Hudson and Target Corp. Uh, Mervyn Morris had a huge influence on us. He lived in that market and it was all about people and about the customer way back when. And that never changed. Everything I've done, I've kept that in my mind about, you know, you can build a business, you can 
go after numbers, you can go after things, but if you don't bring your team and the team doesn't focus on the customer, you're not going to get anywhere. It's not going to, it's not going to advantage anyone. That, that is an incredible lesson at such an, an early age. I'm curious, as you think about your career, right? And I think, uh, I'd love to hear from you at any time. Did you, did you chase other things, right? I think we all go through these different levels of leadership. I know I went through it where I chased, you know, money and titles um, for a while. I'm curious in your mind, you know, when you think about that, that early lesson learned, you know, bringing it, talking about people and customers and bringing them with you, was there ever a point in your career where that kind of faded as, as you were growing, you know, into your different levels of leadership, or has this always stay at the forefront um, of your motivation? No, it's good question, Zach, because when I took on my first store manager role way back when, um, someone told me I was the youngest store manager in the history of the organization to date. Now, those that age, I think I was 26, 27 years old. Um, today, that's not so young for what I what I experienced out there. But um, without a doubt, that went to my head for a bit of a time, and I stopped focusing on the team. And I thought, okay, now what's next? You know, what's the youngest age to get to a DM in this organization? I started to look at things that were more Mark centric versus people and customer centric. But the lessons that I learned being Mark centric is the team wanted to follow me less when it was about Mark and where Mark could go. And when it was about Mervyn's or if it was about the brand, because to me, every place I've ever been, it's been about the brand. You become the brand that you you focus your energies on ensuring the team likes the brand and enjoys the brand. And ultimately, that's where the customer can see it. So when it was less mark centric and back to people and customer centric, that's where I was that I, I actually started to rise more quickly when I stopped being mark centric. That was just a very short period of time, but I could see the pitfalls and I could see the people not following me. Yeah, that's that, uh, that's so fascinating. I'm curious in your mind, because uh, I went through that same phase. I was very Zach-centric. It, I didn't know that about you, uh, Mark, where you were the youngest store manager. I mean, I hit something similar to that. I became very Zach-centric, and I essentially burnt myself out. I'm curious, when you think about all, just any leadership in general, do you think everyone needs to go through that period of time of being Mark centric or Zach centric and really learning those lessons of um, how you can go at it? But when you bring people and customers and employees along with you, you achieve more. Does everyone need to go through that? Or as leaders, should we focus more on teaching them the pitfalls very early on of being Mark centric and help them accelerate through the change faster? I think, Zach, that you have to go through some of that to learn on your own. There are lessons you must learn on your own and there's lessons you can be taught. And my mistakes, so cliche for me to say it this way, but I'm gonna say it anyway, but every mistake I've made along the way has been my greatest learnings. And sometimes it has irritated me when I knew somebody saw something that was happening with me, but didn't tell me and didn't say, hey, it's time to course correct, but ultimately, I think when you learn some of those lessons on your own, it helps you tremendously. You can tell, like I try to tell my 23-year-old twins a lot of things, 
but they don't seem to learn until they've made the mistake on their own. And then they pick up the phone and say, you know what? Guess what? This happened to me. You told me I didn't listen, but I just learned a lesson. Now that doesn't happen very often with the two of them, but in the <laughs> business world, I hear that a lot from people along the way who have said, uh-oh, you warned me this was coming. I didn't stop. I did it anyway. I I made a mistake. Is that okay? And I'm like, okay, I've already told you the mistakes are going to be okay. So now what am I supposed to say? It's not okay that that mistake happened. Um, but I think it's important for you to learn the lessons on your own as well. But you need mentors. You need good people helping to support you along the way to help point you in the right direction. Yeah, you're just spitting wisdom uh, this morning um, and, and leadership. Before we get into your role at Freebirds, you know, I really want to take a look at your full span. You've worked at some great organizations. You've you've talked a little bit about the family the family owned company. You know, you've talked about Mervins. Um, you've also held stints um, as a district manager at TJ Maxx. You've been a senior project manager at Oakley, um, Sprockets Retail, where where you're at for over six years. And then before joining um, Freebirds, you've spent well, I think it's well over six years at the North Face. Um, as well in several different roles. I'm curious, what was the most favorite position that you held looking back on all your retail experience and, and why was it the favorite? Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to answer two ways. First of all, Sprockets was my own company. And so all the good, the bad, the ups and downs of working at that Sprocket organization has taught me so much about, you know, from factory to, um, to end result in a store. Um, so I just, I have to give that little plug for that. But really my time at Mervyn's was probably the most important of my career because of all the different lessons learned, but most importantly, the development of people that took place is so important because when I see them today and I still follow most of them, whether it's LinkedIn, WhatsApp, because some of them live in different parts of the world, <coughs> excuse me, um, different parts of the world, I get very excited when I see somebody that I was working on, their career, their development, and where they are today, because I saw something. There's a lot of times when you see raw talent in somebody, and you end up having to fight bosses and others because they don't see it. They don't fit the mold. I'm not one of those people who likes everybody who fits the mold. You know, I believe that people, if they believe in a brand, they believe in what they're going after, even if they're not the right person at that moment, they have something that they can offer. And I love that piece of it. So that's why Mervyn's was so important to me because I grew and was part of growing with so many different people. And I love the success of the people that are out there today. And I know that it's not just the success for them. I know it's the success for the people around. And I've been very impressed as I've kept up with people that they have brought so many people along as well. Yeah, that, uh, you know, Mark, when I, every time, every time we have a conversation, I always, Simon Sinek always pops up into my head because Simon is, you know, he's always talking about, Hey, when you, when you look back at your legacy, it's not about the money that you've made or the titles that you've held, but it's about the number of leaders that you've created because how you've impacted them and you've developed them. And every time you and I have a conversation from that first beer that we had in Denver to just recently having dinner a couple of weeks ago, you've always talked about your team and your people and 
and how you admire them from a distance. And so I, I, I love that about you as a leader. And, and I'm curious, one last question before we get into Freebirds about that is, what's one piece of advice you would have for any aspiring retail ops leader to really put people over profits? Yeah, um, if you focus on the people, the profit, the sales, the good customer experience, everything follows. If you worry about how to attain all those goals and not worry about the people, you're not going to attain those goals. I, it has been proven in my history over and over again that every time it has been the people focus, the customer focus, the results have come. And if the results haven't come, then you can always go back and figure out why those results haven't come. But it, it's very important to focus on that people will help you to bring the results you're looking for. Chatter by Stingray proudly presents Action This. Let's have a chat. Visit chatterresearch.com to try out our online feedback demo and experience the chatter effect. So let's talk a little bit about Freebirds. Tell, tell, the, tell our listeners, who's Freebirds? What's your guys' mission? And you know, what's the motivation for you leaving a brand like the, the North Face and going and joining you know, an organization like Freebirds? Yeah, loved, loved my time at the North Face. One of the hardest thing I've ever had to do was the day I had to walk out of the door um, from the North Face because of the people. But I had an opportunity to come back to a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit. This is a very small um, team of people here. I mean, I was in a 10-story building a month ago with six, 700 people. Right now I'm in a building where sometimes I could just go and check to see what's going on in the warehouse, look at where the supplies are kept. Um, there's so few people, I'm just building my team. Um, but once again, it is about the brand. So when I met Mike Murphy, uh, the founder of Freebird, he had that entrepreneurial spirit. He has that ability to talk through people. And what I loved is most of the people that have been around him, surrounding him, have been here 9, 10, and 11 years since the start. Wow. That's not a usual thing. So I have gone, I've gone from I knew absolutely everything after seven years or I knew where to find the answer to I don't know anything. We had an issue um, with a problem with a POS on Saturday. And usually I would either have the answer or call the person that had the answer. I was baffled for about 20 minutes and I, my wife is laughing at me. She said, this is exciting to you that you don't know something. I'm like, yes, it's pretty cool because now I'm going to learn. I called two or three people. We fixed, we were able to fix the problem, but it's a good quality um, boot that's made here men for men's and women. It is about the people though. It is about the brand. They take a lot of pride. This group takes a lot of pride. It is a very hardworking group of people. Currently only has six stores. Hopefully, if um, all goes well next week, we're going to open our seventh and eighth store. We have 16 stores on the books here this year um, because of some supply chain, construction issues, some things like that. We are slower than we anticipated or would like to be. But I love that the team loves the brand. They love the people and people. Obviously, you don't stay forever. 
in a place like this. You won't stay forever working this kind of these kind of hours and what these people are doing unless they absolutely love the people they're with and the brand itself. Wow. That, that uh, first of all, I mean, congratulations to the entire just Freebird organization, because I agree with you. You know, when you think about the type of leadership and to have just that unique culture of, hey, we're all here together, focus on the same mission and we're in it. And so you get that tenure, especially now um, with the macroeconomic pressures, right? I'm sure some of them could have gone and chased money um, along the way over the last nine to 10 years. And they've, they've chosen to stay, you know, marching towards the mission. But also you think about this recession that no one wants to call it a recession, but it's defined as a recession. Um, as retailers are looking at how do we scale back, Freebirds is accelerating, you're opening stores. And so I think to do it in these headwinds is just a testament, Mark, to um, one, that culture, to the leadership, to the processes that you have in place. So big congratulations on that. I'm, I'm curious in your mind, as you think about this, how important is the voice of customer in retail operations, especially as Freebirds continues to push on the gas? Uh, huge the customer experience the, the how the customer feels about the environment in the store is what matters most um, I have had the pleasure of spending a lot of time in the three stores we have here in the Denver market and first of all the customer does come first to the, the to the team here so it is very important very valuable and what I love is we're not just looking for a number we're looking for what the number means you know, what's behind that number. And I, and, you know, Zach, you and I have discussed before, you know, it's really nice to say, okay, the MPS score or PL or what have you, that these numbers, because it's tangible, you can touch those, you can feel those, but the experience and what the customer has to say, the reviews, the conversations matter. We currently are building all of our processes, as you can imagine, if we're six to 16, we're, it's a foundational, we're building absolutely every process. The process we're building is related to everything we've heard from the customer, not just in the in the short time I've been here, but I'm talking to the DMs, talking to the store managers, talking to the team, looking at reviews, spent a lot of time looking at reviews and experiences. I've spent time talking to the customer service team. I've spent more time talking to the customer service team here and less time looking at numbers. Like I don't care how many calls they're getting. You know, in the past, I might have said, okay, you think you there's 50 calls, there's what have you. But Jamie, tell me all the, the additional details. What's behind it? What's the customer saying? Does the customer like the music? Is the music too loud? Does the customer like where they're sitting? Does, you know, how is the process working in the store? And the customer is giving us essentially the tools to write the policies, procedures, and SOPs to drive business. And the other thing that I'm telling the team is all of this is going to, you know, this isn't going to be a printed handbook, although you can print this handbook. That's not what this is about. This is going to be a living, breathing document because of six months from now, after we have 16 stores, the customer outside of the markets we're in may be telling us something diff very different about the experience we're in. You know, we open in Charleston, hopefully next weekend, that customer may, may feel very different than the, the store in San Antonio that opens a week later. So we're going to learn it'll be a living, breathing document and we will evolve with it. But the customer experience is telling us how to write our SOPs and to have the ability to do that. Zach's pretty cool. I haven't had that before. 
We've had a lot of policies, procedures, processes in place, and we've just fine-tuned them. Here, there's a bunch of stuff that's written down that's going to become a living, breathing customer experience document. Music to my ears, Mark. There's two things that I want to jump off. The first one is let's stay on kind of this notion, right? When you think about essentially what you're saying is we are going through this design thinking process of all of our operational procedures, but it's not us writing them you know, in the ivory tower or the ivory warehouse at Freebirds, um, we are actually listening to our customers. We're listening, you know, we're talking to our, our contact center um, operators to really understand what's the customer telling us. We're reading reviews. How do you achieve customer and employee-led design thinking versus allowing operations to truly set in and building policies and procedures to ultimately deliver a PL. It is complicated. And the reason it's complicated, of course, is because there is a bottom line regardless how you look at it. And, and especially in a small organization where you know everyone knows every sale every day, everything that's going on, how much cash, you know, all those things, you know, it's so narrow here that you know everything that goes on. And the first and the first thing you want to do when there's a problem is put an operational process behind the problem. The, if you think about when I said Saturday, we had an issue, we're gonna put an operational process, but we're putting an operational process behind how the customers experience. We're not worried that this process broke down on Saturday and we couldn't do this. We're worried about what effect was on the customer. Ultimately, the customer was able to transact. So ultimately we were able to help that customer. But in reality, that seven, eight, 10 minutes that we weren't able to do that hurts the customer experience. So we want to say, first and foremost, what could we have done to satisfy that customer more quickly? And then what process can we go can go behind that to make that happen that way? And instead, you know, in my past, a lot of what I've done first and, you know, you know, then you course correct is what's the process that needs to go behind the problem? And then you figure out how that you know affected the customer. In these, in the cases now, we're saying what could we have done differently to satisfy that customer, and then what process do we have to put behind that? So it's just putting the customer and the team and the time. A lot of this is about time. It takes a lot of time when you're going to spend a good deal of money on a pair of boots. It takes a lot of time for that transaction. So if you're sat, if you already sat there, tried on a bunch of shoes a bunch of boots and it's 15, 16, 17 minutes. You, you know, you might be having a glass of wine, enjoying yourself, but at the same time, you've taken time out of your day to add seven to 10 minutes at the end of that is not what you're looking for after you've had that great experience. So it's really just making sure that the process fulfills the need on what you could have done to satisfy that customer more quickly. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Mark, is most of our listeners are either customer experience leaders or practitioners uh, operational leaders and marketing leaders. And I know some of them might sitting, be sitting back and thinking, hey, you know what, Mark, everything you're saying um, is ideal, right? Um, and you have the luxury of doing it at a smaller organization. However, I have multi-billion dollar brand with, you know, hundreds of retail um, brick and mortar locations tens of thousand employees, this will never work in our brand. And so I'm just curious in your mind, you, you've you been at some of the biggest brands, 
And now again, you're you're reigniting your entrepreneurial spirit at Freebirds. And I love how Freebirds is really experience-led. But just in your past, and your past, how would you help the folks listening right now start with this customer-centric design thinking for for revamping our operational processes? Because you you and I both have been retail operators, you're still there. I know that I was saddled with 20-year-old operational processes that just didn't fit, you know, human behavior. How do you start? Where do you start? Uh, I understand the question that would be in people's heads because I just left a 109-store chain that had a lot of policies, procedures, processes in place. But you can still start by understanding what the end result is. So if I think back recently in, in at the North Face, we had put together a whole new store opening process. And if I think back to if I could have tweaked some things in that process, I would have tweaked them to take a look more at the people and at the customer end of this for day one of opening day two. You can still do that. You can still put all the process and policies in place but you are doing it from a customer-centric mindset, and you can do that regardless. of. If I think back to my Mervyn's days, and I know that was a long time ago, people will say the world is different, all that, those good, uh, all that good stuff. But we had 300 stores. We were part of a, you know, the very large Target Corporation that had lots of rules, regulations, but ultimately we always cited on the side of the customer. We always had that in our mind. We always, it was the team, it was the customer. So you can still start there. You've got to prove the bottom line regardless. But I can promise you this, the things that we put in place at the North Face or at Mervyn's or Sprockets, all the things that we put in place that we ultimately were focused on the bottom line because you know, Zach, I can't fool you to think that Mark only thinks about the people and the team <laughs> because I would not be able to be successful if ultimately we didn't make money and we didn't drive yeah. sales. But it's where you place your mindset as you're making the processes. And I know what I did multiple times is I knee-jerk reacted to things as opposed to taking a breath, stopping and saying, okay, this is an issue. It must be resolved. It must be resolved quickly. Now, here are ways of resolving it and then taking the right partners in place. One of the biggest learnings for my for my time at the North Face is we spent a lot of time between Ecom, Omni, and retail because during during COVID times everything was about stores becoming fulfillment centers. It was the partnerships that I took, the questions that I asked with the people that mattered. So it's really taking a step back. I'm not saying don't resolve problems quickly and don't go after the bottom line, but resolve the problem smartly, understanding what the end results and without a doubt, taking the right partners. Yeah. Mark, do you think as I'm listening to, you know, your strategic approach, you know, the one thing that, I, that keeps popping up in my head is I think the challenge that we have as experienced professionals today is how do we truly connect the dots between here's what our customers and employees are telling us and here's what it means to the bottom line in order for operators to really one buy into it right and um, really put their full support behind it because I think for you and I both know 
in order to change behavior of people over profits, uh, there's other things systematically that have to change, right? In the way that that brands comp their leaders and those types of things, right? Behaviorally, our operators act, you know, PNL first because essentially that's where we are. That's where we're bonused, right? So, so there's some systematic things. But do you think it's this this skill set of connecting the dots between feedback, voice of customer, voice of employee, and operations? is one of the key skills that's just missing in practitioners today? Uh, it's missing and foundationally we build our key matrix around the results that in some cases are very old fashioned results. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to understand um, that a store may be fulfilling an order in a store. They may be sending product to a customer, you know, so you know, sales per hour has got to change. The foundational pieces have to change, but the only way those things are going to change is if the mindset of the leaders in the organizations will change. And as you drive the omni business, as you drive change, that will hopefully change people's perceptions. Way too often, we are so results driven as opposed to, you know, what do those results need to be that we should be driving to? And quite often, you know, I know what I've done, you know, every morning, every night at the end of the night, every morning, I'm looking at the sales number and to see where we ended up, you know, what was the, you know, what was the traffic? What are all those things? But the meaning can get lost in there. What happened during that time period that caused those dollars to be that way? Over this weekend, we had a dramatic number of, you know, when you've got six doors, you could know every sale. Um, if you wanted to, I know every booth that was sold because they sent me the top sellers, all that good stuff. But I don't know what happened to go behind those sales. And that's what we've got to think about. Leaders need to change that mindset. But foundationally, we all need to, to you know, be pushing more toward, you know, what are the matrix? What are the results we should be shooting for in this world that has changed dramatically? And I think the the omni revolution that took place along with COVID, if if leaders aren't thinking differently in general, they're making a mistake. Yeah, I I love it. I can only imagine you, Mark, really being the king of the five whys. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did the customer do this? Why, you know, and which I love. I love, you know, kind of your your common theme today is just really why. Why did this happen? Why did the customer take this action? I guess the the last one that I the last question I have for you is when you think about you know, your success, especially in retail operations, you're so customer centric, you're employee centric, you know, ultimately you also have partners who lead these roles. In your mind, what makes up a great customer experience practitioner and what are their keys to success with really being a key influencer in retail operations today? Listening is the most important thing that you've got to be able to do listening to what's going on around you, asking the right questions, um, taking the partners, but you've got to understand, you know, I often, and my wife tells me this all the time, I, you know, don't really listen to the things that are going on around me at home, um, but I do try to listen to what's going on around me, listen to what people are saying. And a lot of times you get an email and you could see something's wrong in the email that you just received. There's something going wrong in a store or with the process. 
with the policy or with people in general, and we don't take the time to stop and ask the questions of what's going on. And that happens with partners all the time. I could tell you that you know, on a daily basis at the North Face, I would watch something that triggered a thought in my head that said, wait, something's going wrong with that person. And I didn't stop and ask the right questions. It's so important to listen and be willing to learn. Uh, if, if you're not listening and learning every day in your job, you're making a mistake and you're not going to make the improvements that you're looking for. Yeah, and that's so well said, right? Stopping, listening and learning. That's really asking the employees and your organization, your entire organization and your customers, those key questions to really understand. Mark, that uh, you've been incredible, uh, incredible uh, conversation and chat today. There's a lot of wisdom that I've gleaned out of it. I know our listeners are gonna glean, uh, glean out of it. If for any reason, um, any of our listeners want to connect with Mark, if you go to chatterresearch.com, click on resources and podcast, you'll see Mark's handsome face. Click on that. You, his LinkedIn link is there. You can go ahead and link in with him and, and ask him any questions that you may have about, you know, leading retail operations, leading people, leading customer-centric organizations. Uh, Mark, it was a pleasure to have you and uh, look forward to, forward to our next chat. Maybe let's, let's, penciled in from a year from now and let's talk about these 16 store openings and the lessons learned excellent that would be great zach thank you cool thanks mark thanks zach thanks for tuning in for more on consumer insights and experience the chatter effect visit chatterresearch.com